you know, it's one of the few instances where okay, boomer actually is a good thing. So. <laughs> Let it be known, Mike said that everyone. <laughs> no context. It's going in the epi. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Tencent Takes. My name is Jessica Frazier and I am joined by my co-host, the fiendish forager, Mike Thompson. <laughs> I don't know. How I, appropriate. I, I was going to say, I guess that sounds fiendish. I don't know. Oh, I think it did. I think you did a splendid job. <laughs> All right. Excellent. Well, today we are bringing you yet another episode of Dollar Bin Discoveries. So as you all know, we have talked about this a lot, but we love digging through dollar bins at our local shops. And we love looking for weird and interesting stuff, primarily, honestly, that we can bring to you guys and talk to you guys about. But we find a lot of things that are fun and weird, but they may not be, you know, fun and weird enough for us to do a deep dive on. Though we do definitely reserve the right to change our mind about that and come back to some of these if we decide to later on. But these episodes really do feature both of us talking about one random issue we came across in the dollar bins, what it is, what goes on inside it, and why it's interesting. So again, these are mini episodes that are meant to provide you with some weekly content between our more in-depth discussions about the weirder and interesting moments of comic book history. So. Thanks for joining us on this adventure. And Mike, do you want to begin our quest down this road <laughs> to comic book discovery? Yeah, yeah. This may actually be, I think, the first comic that we come back to for a full-length Ooh. episode from a Dollar Bin Discovery mini You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> Okay, one of the antique stores in Petaluma has like a ton of comic books. And one of the sections, they're basically their dollar bins. And I came across Captain Nauticus and the Ocean Force. And if you haven't heard of this, there's a good reason. I have not. So this was published in 1994 by the National Maritime Center. And I have... What? Yeah, I have no information about like who put it together. There's no credits in the book. Like none of the comic book databases that I found so far have this information either. So I'm honestly not sure who the creators were on this because there's no credits given in the first book. Like the wiki pages and things that I found that, that talk about this don't list anyone. CLZ, the app, lists Don Chin as the writer and Bill Mouse as the artist, but that's like, I don't have any way of verifying that, so I don't know. Hmm. So this book starts with a space chase where Captain Nauticus and his crew, who go by the names Wave, Moray, Orc, and Sting, because, you know, okay. Of course they do. Brace yourself. <laughs> They're from the planet Aquamar. Oh, you don't fucking say. <laughs> so they they're... they're they are chasing a criminal named Fathom, like, you know, across space. And then 
basically they pursue them into a black hole. And the black hole, instead of, you know, <laughs> squishing them flatter than a pancake, it ends up sucking the two ships across space and throws them into our solar system where Nauticus's computer identifies our solar system as the one that belongs to, quote, the Atlantean legend trade charts, which, whatever, okay. What? Yeah, it's... <laughs> It's okay. We'll get to this in a second. So his team, like their ship, they land in Chesapeake Bay and they discover that humans have found an old Aquamarian. I don't know if that's the right term ship. That's apparently over a thousand years old and they've excavated it. And Nauticus and his team are like, well, you know, like our people have clearly been to this planet before. So we're adopting it. It's our new home. Like, I don't think that's, that's not how Sedition works, Sparrow, but okay. Is that how that works? <laughs> I don't know. Must be nice. Hey, I what's mean, what's your plan? Like, are you, like, is this an immigration situation? Is there documentation for that? Like, how I, look, do you. Okay, I'm, I'm going <laughs> to say this. Nauticus is like the epitome of like kind of the chiseled jaw white guy. So I'm like, I guess if you just say it's your home, it's your home now. Like, I'm, he's, you know what? This sounds, sounds about like white. the entitlement that it takes. To just quit your job and just move to another state without a plan. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Just decided I mean, to go to New York. Yeah. Just decided to go to California. Just yep. decided I wouldn't research how expensive both of those places were before I left. <laughs> yeah. But so soon after this, like Fathom triggers, I don't know, some kind of power surge near the Mariana Trench. And the team like goes there and they discover... They say it's like the remains of Atlantis. It's not obvious. And then inside the ruins, <laughs> they find like a chamber with this kid named Zach who like just woke up for the equivalent of like a cryostasis tube or something. And apparently this magical crystal was like keeping him in stasis, but Fathom stole it. And so the crew brings Zach along with them and they chase Fathom underwater. And it's like another outer space chase scene, but underwater. And you wouldn't be able to tell if it wasn't. Like if you hadn't been told that it was underwater, but they, they blow up Fathom ship Fathom, like escape. He basically, he like ejects right before his ship gets blown up. And then he summons some kind of giant sea monster to attack the team. And they seem to be doing okay. But then Zach, the kid gets bored. So he decides to go outside of the ship and basically gets in the middle of the fray. And the issue ends with, Zach about to get eaten by Fathom's monster. Like he's literally sitting in the mouth and like holding the fangs. He's like, oh no, what do I do? I can't believe that was all one issue, if we're being real. It's that sounds like it's, a lot. It's rough, man. It's not great. It's uh, the writing is just it's all this breathless nonsense and the art. I feels... literally was thinking that, like you the way that you've described this before of a child just like and then and then and then and then and not really taking a breath to think about what you're saying next, just it's... kind of throwing it down on paper. I just I felt exhausted reading it. <laughs> and then I'm exhausted listening to you talk about it. Yeah. And then, you know, case in point. <laughs> like the art's really rudimentary too. Like it's not good. And I, you know, I never want to sit there and speak ill of people who have actually done the work to create a comic, but the art in this is rough at times. It's okay at the best of times. And it's kind of wild because they clearly put money into this. It's got like really lovely glossy pages. I picked up 
both the regular issue and then they also did like a special promo edition that they printed 20,000 copies of. Oh. Yeah. And then on top of that, like, so they have like some activities in the back, but my favorite part of this book is that it features an ad where you can buy a season pass to, I guess, the National Maritime Center. And then simultaneously, you'll get four more issues of the comic over the next year. But I have a twist. Are you ready for the twist? I'm I've made I'm ready. There's only one more issue and then that's it. Shut the fuck up. So <laughs> they wow, what a fucking scheme. They were all like, "Hey." <laughs> they were like, "Would you like to subscribe to this comic that we're definitely going to have lots of <laughs> issues of?" Yeah, it's well, I mean <laughs> You know, it was also published in 1994, which was like mid comics industry collapse. Oh, so I'm sure that that that's didn't. A very know. good point. Yeah, but good lord. I really want to learn more about this, and I really, I, I think I'm going to have to reach out to the National Maritime Institute and see if they know anything about this, or if there's like oh anyone we can talk to about this because I think that could be a lot of fun. I'm not that like I feel like you've already subjected us. <laughs> to the marathon like i feel like i need my inhaler like i'm a little out of breath but i'm i I guess i'll just have to have that handy if we get kind of into it i'll make sure you definitely need to like take some because i need to hear about the comic that you found (gasps) oh don't worry i'm not wheezing i was gonna say take a puff okay we can wait ah (laughs) well so my find today is a little darker it's the first issue of a series called Animal Castle. Oh, I think Lance and Jake were talking about this, I think. Oh, I was wondering. In one I of their somebody episodes. had mentioned it. It was in one of their episodes. I was like, I knew a podcaster or somebody yeah. we knew or someone had talked about it. And I found the first issue and I was like, oh, definitely going to pick this up. And so I wanted to start with the description, which will likely set the scene pretty well. On the farm, all animals were equal. In the castle, some are more equal than others. That's ominous. Oh, it's fucking ominous. So, published by Ablaze in September 2019, written by Xavier Dorison, art by Felix Stalip, colors by Felix Stalip, and Jessica Boddard. And if you've read Animal Farm, it's a pretty similar premise uh, about a society of animals they're left to rule a castle where the humans have disappeared left been killed off mm, unknown i'm hearing Regardless a lot of question of marks like <laughs> well you know there definitely is mystery nobody really knows what happened okay but regardless the animals now rule the roost so to speak And what started out as a democracy turned quickly into a fascist state where the one ruler and army of dog guards keep others in line. All animals must work and all fruits of labor belong to the state. So Mm. the comic opens up with a chicken who's tied to a stake and is attacked by dogs because she saved one of her eggs instead of giving it up to the common good to be sent to like their shared Mm. storehouse that is only accessible by the government. Mm. Sounds sketchy, right? Like I'm already just kind of like noping out of this because I can't stand that stuff. Like I know that it's good storytelling, but like I have a real tough time with like visceral cruelty. 
Yeah, it's hard to read. Well, and especially because we learned that the animals are given a certain amount of buttons for the work they produce. Mm. But it seems incredibly arbitrary, the amount of buttons that this work produces. And it's arbitrary between the type of work, etc. Basically, the animals also have barely have enough to eat because of the way that these buttons are being doled out, even though they're all contributing. Mm-hmm. So they decide to revolt. And the characters are super well written. Each one has like a distinct personality and differing amounts of risk they're each willing to take in order to fight for their right for the fruits of their own labor. And if you've read Stray Dogs, which I own and I've, I've thumbed through it, I haven't read it all the way through yet, but it's described as having a similar vibe to that. And art wise, I would have to agree, although it's much more violent and raw. Mm. So, I mean, overall, it was good, but it was really intense and really thought and emotion provoking. But it's I think it's one of those ones where I would have to take in the sittings where I would really only be able to read like a single issue at a time. Yeah. Per sitting, because I just I think I would get overwhelmed just because I'm such an empath. Yeah. And, you know, there's certain pieces of media that you have to consume in pieces rather than binging because after a while you just feel gross like yes that was what did me in with game of thrones was i binged two seasons and i think a day and i was like no yeah. i think i'm good i don't think i ever need to watch this again yeah i chopped it up and i didn't like binge too hard on that and i think that's what kind of saved me yeah yeah well that's it for this week thank you so much for joining us for our dollar bit discovery we hope you enjoyed it and we will be doing a deep dive next week and we will do we know what that one is yeah we do i'm I'm keeping you in the dark about that one that's right oh gosh i have it oh my gosh so yeah mike has a veritable treat for us i'm also going to keep you all in the dark so you don't get curious and looking online at things before we actually go to the content but mike is going to give us a great episode but Until then, we will see you in the stacks. Thanks for listening to Tencent Takes. Accessibility is important to us, so text transcriptions of each of our published episodes can be found on our website. This episode was hosted by Jessica Frazier and Mike Thompson, written by Jessica Frazier and Mike Thompson, and edited by Jessica Frazier. Our intro theme was written and performed by Jared Emerson Johnson of Bay Area Sound. Our credits and transition music is Pursuit of Life by Abby McDonald and was purchased with a standard license from Premium B. Our banner graphics were designed by Sarah Frank, who you can find at lookmomdraws.com. If you'd like to get in touch with us, ask us questions, or tell us about how we got something wrong, please head over to tencenttakes.com or shoot an email to tencenttakes at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter. The official podcast account is Tencent Takes. Jessica is Jessica Witha, and Jessica spelled with a K. And Mike is Van Sau, V-A-N-S-A-U. If you'd like to support us, be sure to download, rate, and review wherever you listen. Stay safe out there. And support your local comic shop. <laughs>